Back on Sports Talk as we continue right now. And uh, you're going to enjoy this next interview, folks. I promise you that. Because joining us uh, live uh, on our phone lines right now is Raul Martinez. Hey, he's the sports director at NBC10 in Boston. And uh, he is uh, a former... I don't know how many years ago this was. Now, i got to figure this has got to be at least 10. Maybe I'm wrong, but give or take about 10 years ago or so, he was still working in town for KVIA as a sports director here uh, for the ABC affiliate. But since then, he has had the opportunity to go to Denver and Boston. And obviously, big story today with Cam Newton signing with the Pats. Raul, good to have you back in El Paso. How you doing? Steve, good talking to you, brother. Yeah, it was uh, 2012 I left for Denver. So I was I was in El Paso I mean, this is my hometown, born and raised in El Paso, prior to Cathedral, and then uh, came back 2004 to 2012, yeah, for at KBIA. Such great memories. Kevin Lovell, Rick Cabrera, Stella Casas, oh my goodness. The list goes on and on. I'm telling you, it's it's nuts. I can't believe it's it's been less than 10 years because you had such a quick meteoric rise uh, after El Paso. It's amazing. So that's great. And tell me this, before I get into the details of Newton now to the Pats, how are things with you uh, and the family out there in Massachusetts with everything going on with the pandemic? I know you've got a home studio like everybody else does in our business, but uh, in terms of just the neighborhood where you're at in the area, how's how's everybody holding up? Everyone's healthy. You know, I have to give the state of Massachusetts a ton of credit. I mean, it, they, they locked it down. We got hit hard early, uh, just like New York. Um, but, you know, everyone really followed the rules. Um, everyone, I mean, wore masks. We had to lock down. Obviously, it was, it was a hard time. But, you know, it, it's starting to show that Massachusetts is really leading the way. Our cases continue to drop. Deaths continue to drop. I mean, I, this, I live in a little town called Abington, and they've done a really good job here. I mean, just you can tell it's, it's, a, it's a community effort. We're in this together. We saw how hard it got hit. And, and thankfully, my family is, is healthy and happy. And, yeah, it's been, it's been really strange working at home. I, I, could, I couldn't tell you in my career that I'd be having a home studio um, in Abington, Massachusetts, uh, delivering sports to the entire city of Boston. But it's... Uh, but we've been making it work, and I have to say, you know, sports just does not go away in Boston. There's always stories to cover. I mean, even before I left to quarantine, Tom Brady gets, uh, you know, he leaves to Tampa. Rob Gronkowski gets traded to Tampa. I mean, there's just baseball stories, hockey stories, NBA. So it's just a constant busy stream of work. But uh, fortunately, family's been healthy and happy, and I treasure this time. I'm not going to kid you. I mean, I have three kids. My wife's here. Um, and just being able to be home with them and spend this time, I'm going to treasure this because I don't know when I'll ever be able to do this again, especially with the workload that I have. When you retire and uh, your kids are grown up and then you get to do it all over again with your grandkids, that's probably the easy answer. <laughs> that's the key, right? And I don't have to put them to sleep or deal with diapers or anything like that. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Grandkids sound great to me. <laughs> Terrific. Hey, by the way, how long did it take for you to uh, redo your house and, and, and put uh, what was a, a good enough looking background together that would make uh, viewers proud that that would be uh, your home base? I have to say, uh, my wife's a wedding photographer. She also used to work for KBIA. She was an anchor and reporter there, Rachel Abel. And then she decided that once we had kids, she decided to get into wedding photography. So she was a big factor in setting up my studio because she's got amazing lighting. And then the community around me had a bunch of things to put in the backdrop. I have all my sports books. So, and I have, I have a pretty cool office with a ton of shelves. So uh, ways to display, you know, 
awesome things that represent not just me in El Paso, you know, my colleges that I went to at TCU and Syracuse and Cathedral, and then, of course, you know, everywhere I've been, I've been able to put little little mementos. So I think it, it's a well-represented um, backdrop that represents me. So I'm, I'm proud of it. And, you know, it's like I said, we're in, a, we're in a tough time. We're in a pandemic right now which is not something that I think many of us expected in December or, or October, you know, so I, you know, you just got to go with it. I just think like, like this business, you just never know what's going to come the next day. And, you know, you just, you just try to keep going, you grind and you make people proud and you just continue to work and, and do the best you can with what you got. There you go. The pride of El Paso, Raul Martinez joining us. He's now at NBC 10 in Boston. By the way, how big is Abington, Massachusetts? How many people live there? Oh, it's like 4,000 people. But the funny thing about it is, is these towns, there's just a million towns. It's, it's so fascinating in Massachusetts. You just drive a couple blocks and you're in a new town. You're in Weymouth and Braintree and Randolph and Quincy and then, you know, Brockton on the other side. It's, it's just amazing where we are because I'm on the South Shore right now. So it's, it's just, it's like, it, and the communities are so strong here. It really does remind me of El Paso. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but the communities itself, just you can tell there's just a there's just a bond families are so tight the communities the friendships and and the love and the passion for sports as well i mean there's always something to talk about and everyone's got each other's back which is has been an easy transition for me because going from el paso to denver to, to boston i've had i've been a part of great communities i'm, I'm very lucky well here's the thing okay now this is interesting that you bring this up because i've talked to uh, i've talked to my wife karen about retiring down the road it's like, and, and we're like where do you want to live you want to live in el paso i go you know we should go northeast live in some little small community where they've got a town hall they do town open town meetings and and just let's just uh, think about something like that where we can eventually settle into that so it sounds to me like like you you're there that's exactly what abington is yeah. is, is for you that's perfect listen it, it's it, if you can handle the weather <laughs> you'll be okay the weather from a desert rat like myself uh, it took some time getting used to the Denver transition was nice. I also lived in Syracuse, so I'm used to it a little bit. But once we moved here and you dealt with the snow and the cold and the freezing, like just the live shots alone out at Foxborough in December and January are very harsh. But if you can deal with that, and I've got through almost uh, five years of it. So I, just, nice. I actually just hit my four-year anniversary in May. So it's, uh, if you can handle the weather, you'll be all right. It hardens you, Steve. It hardens you hard. Good for you. I like that. All right. So, Raul, you tell me. The, the news today, when you found out that the Pats uh, had agreed to terms on a one-year deal with Cam Newton, is this something that's been in the works uh, for, for weeks or months, or did this come as a little bit of a surprise to you today? Yeah, so it's, it, from what I'm being told, um, this is something that's been in the works. But I, don't, I don't know if it's been months, but I think it's been a process of, you know, let's see how this plays out. Let's see how this plays out. I absolutely love the move. When Tom Brady left, I looked at the quarterbacks that were left. You know, and you saw Philip Rivers, things like that. There's I just think that Cam Newton is going to re-energize a Bill Belichick. I, look, were, was I excited about Jared Stidham? I don't think I was excited. I was intrigued. You know, his second-year quarterback out of Auburn, backed up Brady last year. He was the favorite to land the starting job if Cam Newton or any veteran came in. Brian Hoyer isn't taking this job from, from anyone. Brian Hoyer is going to probably win you like six games, even with, with Bill Belichick as head coach. So you want to hope that Jared Stidham is the guy, so there's intrigue there. But 
always in the back of my mind, Cam Newton has something to prove, nine years in the league, injuries the last few years. Can he return to his form? Well, there's only a few coaches that can, that can guide you and help you, especially if you're healthy. And Bill Belichick's clearly one of those guys. Obviously, Belichick's had the luxury of Tom Brady, but you think about what Belichick has done with other quarterbacks. Tom Brady goes down, Matt Castle steps in, and does well, wins 11 games. You see Tom Brady suspended four games. Jimmy Garoppolo steps in, wins a couple games, then gets hurt. And then uh, Jacoby Brissett comes in and wins a game. You know, just And we're talking about guys that, that you don't really expect to jump right in. Now, Cam Newton, nine years in the league, number one overall pick, he's intriguing. He's exciting. If he's healthy and you get him for around a million dollars and make cap space for it, and he comes in and competes and can be the starter in 2020, you have to like the Patriots' chances once again. You were looking at an 8-9 to nine win team maybe with Jared Stidham. Now you're looking at a team that can compete in the AFC. I'm not saying they're better than the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Titans, maybe not even the Bills, but they can get there. All you have to do is get in the playoffs with Bill Belichick, and you know things can, things can change in a heartbeat because teams get real nervous if you have to go to Foxborough, if you have to face the Patriots. No doubt. We got more with Raul coming up in a moment, less than two minutes away. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We've got uh, Raul Martinez back with us right now from uh, NBC10 out in Boston talking about the uh, Cam Newton uh, deal. Now, I love this contract because, number one, Cam's betting on himself. He's got a one-year deal. It's all about incentives. It's it's a very inexpensive contract. And, and if you're the Patriots, you love it because it's the classic low-risk, high-reward for a quarterback that, quite frankly, they weren't going to get this kind of a quarterback on the market uh, based on what's left at this stage in the NFL's uh, offseason? Oh, it's it's the perfect marriage right now. And, and you're right about Cam Newton being hungry. I think he feels like he was disrespected by Carolina in the end. I get where the Panthers are coming from. I mean, they, this guy had multiple shoulder surgeries and then a foot surgery and and you're just he's just not being able to produce. I know 2018 he had an MVP-type Start, but he just faded after that. But we all know what Cam's capable of. We remember the 2015 season. I was there in the Super Bowl uh, when the Broncos were facing the Panthers, and I, you just your confidence level about the, the 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 Panthers was not that high, or excuse me, the Broncos was not that high. Broncos defense just showed him up. But that year alone, whew, he was unbelievable. I mean, just the way he it, and it wasn't just the legs. We all know he's capable of running, but the dude has a monster arm. And when you hear shoulder and foot surgeries with a quarterback that runs and can chuck deep, that makes you nervous. So now you're telling me he's healthy? Well, we're going to find out. But it's, like you said, it's what Belichick is the best at. Low risk, uh, high reward, if they can get it. If he banks on Cam Newton and Cam Newton comes through, whew, man, they, I don't think they'd have a problem re-signing him for another two years and give him a big deal. If not, you know what else Cam I Newton's love, gonna by go, the way? Cam Newton's going to go somewhere else and make a ton of money. That's true. That's very true. Now listen to this, okay? So the NFL finds the Pats over a million dollars, takes a third-round pick for that sideline film incident that took place uh, last uh, December between the Bengals and Browns. Now, this story was a big story, and yet 
nobody's talking about it because Cam Newton dropped like within hours of this. So more brilliance for the Patriots, like Rel. <laughs> yes, yes. They they must have known. They probably said to Cam, you know what? Listen, uh, we're not going to announce you for a few days or weeks, but don't worry. We'll bring it up. We just want to make sure that it's the right time. And then they figured, all right, perfect damage control. Let's blow off this uh, you know this NFL fine and let's let's announce the Cam signing. It's it's brilliant. It's a, it's a smart move. I don't. I'm. I can't confirm, but there is there is uh, some. I mean, when you think about it, like those two stories come hand in hand, minutes apart. It's yeah. uh, it says a lot. Uh, and yes, I mean, it takes away from that story. That would be a lead on any other day, um, just because the Cam Newton story is so enormous. It just took over. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a crazy story when you think about it. I mean, just the sideline. I mean, we we saw the video of them talking to the the productions and craft productions. Uh, was now in any other team, I don't think they would give this big a fine. And I mean, a third round pick in 20, 2021 is enormous. That's a costly, costly thing for the Patriots. And, you know, I, I, you just have to go back to their past. I think that's what it is. It's just a continuation of Deflate Gate, Spy Gate 1. Um, they just added on to the punishment saying, you know, this is, this is about your history more than just a one time thing. Um, because the, the Patriots immediately came out and said they're responsible, they did it, but this had nothing to do with the football side of things. And you expect a fine, maybe a fine, a big fine, but to take away a draft pick, that's huge. I was absolutely shocked when that came out. And uh, I, I, they'll appeal, but I don't know if they're going to win because a third-round pick, whew, that's a lot. Absolutely right. We're talking to Raul Martinez here on Sports Talk as we continue. By the way, you've got four major... Teams out there in Boston between uh, the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Celtics, and the Pats. Um, for you, any preference? Because they all seem like a, a dream to cover if you're in the sports business, and you get the opportunity to be around all of them. Well, I, they're all heavy hitters, no question. I mean, l- let me just put it this way. In four years that I've been here, I've covered three Super Bowls. I've covered a World Series champion Red Sox team. I've covered two Eastern Conference Finals from the Celtics and a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final with the Bruins and the Blues last season. So it's just been absolutely enormous. I've been engulfed in it. It's, it's been a true privilege. I've covered the Olympics, and, you know, college sports here isn't as strong here. Same with high school, but it's still popular. Um, I, I, for me, it's always football. I, it, the NFL has always been my dream um, to cover. You know, I got to do it with Peyton Manning and the Broncos for four years. And now Tom Brady for four years, and, and now it, it continues on to see what's next. Um, I, I'm excited to see the Patriots. And I, I wasn't happy that Tom Brady left, but I'm excited to see what Bill Belichick can do without Tom Brady. That's, that's just an intriguing storyline of 2020. Uh, covering the Celtics is absolutely phenomenal as well. I mean, it's just it's, you'd go to those games at the Garden, whether it's the Celtics or the Bruins, those fans are so hardcore. They're such different type of fans, too. They're, they're not the same. Boston fans, you know, they, they're all, they all cheer for their teams, but you see the hardcore hockey fans, the hardcore Celtics fans, that's just, that's just insane in itself. And then, you know, going to Fenway, going to Fenway in the historic uh, this, the ballpark there and just watching, uh, you know, when I first got there, it was David Ortiz, and then, you know, got to watch them do their run in 2018. I'm a lucky guy, Steve. I'm not kidding. I like I, I wake up every morning just just so happy to cover sports, but sports in Boston, one of the greatest cities 
uh, sports towns in the world. So I, you know, from a kid from El Paso, Texas, who grew <laughs> who grew up on Emory Street on the West Side, right by Sunland Park Mall. I'm telling you, I'm a lucky guy. I've been very fortunate to cover a lot of sports, whether it's in El Paso, Denver, or Boston. Uh, and right now, it's just, I mean, it's just a dream come true. It's weird with the pandemic going on, but still, sports are enormous here. So it's, it's been a blast. But to go back to your original question, I mean, it's, it's been fun to cover the NFL and the Patriots. It's just, it's just a world-class organization. Um, listen to this, basically. This is per Adam Schefter. If Cam Newton plays well this season and leaves as a free agent, the Patriots could get back a compensatory 2022 third-round pick to help make up for that 2021 third-round pick. How do you like that? That's, that's also classic Bill Belichick for you. The compensatory picks are his thing. He had like mm-hmm. $4 billion in this last one. So it's, it's, always, it's always intriguing to watch this guy. He's, he's not media-friendly, but, man, it is, it is fascinating to watch greatness right in front of you just because the guy, the guy just delivers time and time again. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out how he does. Without Tom Brady, that's the biggest. That's the biggest question mark and intrigue going into 2020. Our pal Ivan Pierre Aguirre, who you knew well, working with him when you were in the media here in El Paso, just tweeted us uh, to please tell Raul that the people of El Paso appreciated your thoughts during your sportscast to the people of the Boston, New England area on how special El Paso is after the August third shooting. Look, I, I still wear the shirt. My mom got it for me. El Paso strong. You know that that one. To, to not be in my city when that was going down, uh, that one was hard to talk about. And, uh, hello to Ivan. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. I, I miss that guy. We had a great time in uh, in uh, where, where were we? We were in San Jose somewhere covering the, the New Mexico State Aggies one time. But yeah, he like I, that that one to me that was hard. <clears throat> just even list, just thinking about it now, um, how much the city of El Paso was hurting. I knew they would be strong coming out of this, but. Just to think about the hatred uh, towards towards the citizens who I love, and and just thinking, gosh, that that, that just killed me. So I, I I felt it was very important for Boston to know what El Paso was about, how similar they are to to El Pasoans, and how much I was thinking of them. I know it's just words, but I just wanted to make it clear that this was a special city, and they were attacked for a very very wrong reason, and it still hurts hurts me to this day. I, I hope. I know the city is uh, is stronger from it and, and and healing, but God, that just I just I I can't believe that happened, and you know that that to me was a small thing that I could do. Anything I can do to help. Follow Raul on Twitter at Raul NBC Boston. That's at Raul NBC Boston. Uh, he is the sports director at NBC Ten out there in Boston, as well as the New England Cable uh, Network or Cable News. And uh, you can also keep an eye if you follow him on Twitter. He's a lot of videos. So you'll get a chance to feel like you're like he's still in El Paso, like he never left. That's the beauty of of social media, and you can do that as well. Hey, terrific stuff! I I can't thank you enough for coming on and and being so gracious with your time. Tell Rachel hi for us and and the kids, and uh, can't wait uh, till the next time we get a chance to see back in El Paso visiting. Same here, brother. Always a pleasure. Tell that Utah basketball team to get back to the tournament. They haven't been to the tournament since I was working there, okay? I need I need some Utah basketball to step up. And we'll make sure they go to the East Region in Massachusetts that year. How's that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Always a pleasure, Steve. Great hearing you from you.
You too, Raul Martinez, as we keep things moving here on Sports Talk. 43 past. We'll get by ABC 7 News and Charlie 1 and keep things moving right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we begin our third and final hour here on Sports Talk. Excited about having these two guests with us on the program as we lead off our 6 o'clock hour. Many of you uh, in uh, El Paso uh, that uh, attended UTEP football games over the years will remember the name Antoine Blake because it wasn't long ago that he was getting a chance to play for Mike Price with the Miners. However, his football days are are now gone. He has become an author. He's got his first book. And in fact, I want to uh, at least introduce him by his name, Antoine Valentino Blake, which is exactly the name on the book, Little Zilla's Big Weight, along with editor Ross Williams. They both join us uh, here to begin our final hour of sports talk. And uh, first off, uh, gentlemen, good to have you on the program, Ross. I know it's your first time with us on the show. Antoine, I feel like I've uh, had you on uh, over the years during your UTEP playing days. Good to have you guys back with us here in El Paso. It's really a pleasure. Um, it's truly a pleasure. Uh, and uh, a pleasure, like you said. Yeah. congratulations, first off, uh, Antoine, on the book. Uh, now, I got to ask you, as somebody that uh, you know has spent years playing football, both uh, you know collegiately and then professionally in the NFL, when did you? How long have you been thinking about writing a children's book? Well, uh, it's funny because writing has always been somewhat of a passion of mine, as far as you know, in school or academia. But, um, you know, it was just always something that I had on the bucket list. I had a teacher, her name was Mrs. Williams. And, uh, you know, she would always just, even throughout my college days and my, my NFL um, career, you know, she would always just hit me up at random times just to remind me to uh, keep writing and keep focusing on, uh, you know, just developing myself as a writer. Uh, I remember even my rookie year, she sent me like a journal and just encouraged me to, to keep writing, uh, keep going my writing. So that's that's always been something. That, I, that I've been doing either since a child, man. So, you know, this is just the beginning for me. Now, when you went to UTEP, did you take a bunch of writing courses as well? Did you major in that, or uh, was that more of uh, something like from your from your earlier year? Uh, I mean, I feel like most of the time I just took, you know, the required, as far as the required courses. I didn't really just um, go above and beyond to take any, you know, writing classes, but like I said, I feel like that was something that was already naturally within myself early on, even from my childhood. So even now, that's just something I just have to keep working on. Very nice. Now, um, you're a dad as well, correct? Right, right, correct. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Oh, man, I have four. Aaron, uh, the girl, the, uh, the only girl of the bunch. She's 10 years old. I have a son named Ashley. He's five. Another son named Asher. He's two. I just had another baby boy named Coy. He's uh, he'll be seven months in about five days. Congratulations! Very nice. So four yeah, children. Man, That's good. Um, now, just out of curiosity, are you going to keep going strong? Are we going to try to get a uh, number five and get a, <laughs> another girl? What do we think? Nah, man. I, you know, I think just like my plan days. I think those, those, those having children days might be behind me as well. Well, all right. Never say ne- never. Say never. Right. Never say never. Might as well never. get a start five, Blake. I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm good with the four. 
Russ, <laughs> I, Russ, I agree with you because he could have a starting five for a basketball team if he goes one more. So that's, uh, you know what? Hey, maybe by the end of the interview, we could have some breaking news here on Sports. Hey, we, we're going to manifest the fifth child on his interview. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Ross, tell me about your relationship with Antoine and, and, and really how long the two of you have had a chance to know each other. Man, it's so funny. I was a branch manager at Interpre- Enterprise in Antoine's kind of second home city, uh, Missouri City. And he was a random customer at the time. I didn't know. This was when he was still playing with the Steelers. And we just had a great conversation, just kind of like connected at first sight. And we maintained a friendship throughout the years. And then that kind of developed into a brotherhood. And now it's developed into business partners. Very nice. Now, had you both thought about this for a while, or is this something that uh, just came about recently? Oh, you, you can go ahead, Ross. I'll to you. Uh, I think it was destiny that we did some type of business together. At the time, um, Antoine was in the midst of his undivided attention was with the NFL, and at that time, my undivided attention was uh, becoming a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. So ironically, uh, around the same time, we kind of both transitioned to different careers. He transitioned to retiring from the NFL and began dabbling in entrepreneurship. And then also I branched off. I released my first book in 2017 called Made It Out. So our mindset has always been like so compatible business-wise. So it's like I knew we would do something. And then as like he kind of opened up to me about his writing gifts and his uh, passion for writing, it just kind of made perfect sense, and it was just such an organic process that uh, we're looking to pretend, like recreate again. <laughs> I love it. I think that's great. And and just from getting a chance to read a little bit about the book, Little Zilla's Big Weight, Antoine, it seems like this is very personal to you. You took a lot of your childhood and and put that into this book, and uh, there's just there's a lot of of you as a youngster in this. Isn't that correct? Uh yeah, man. You know, to give you a little insight without giving too much of the book away. Uh, yeah, man, everything, the book is a true story. And it's just, it's just a, uh, I'd say it was probably just one of the, the pivotal moments in my, ultimately my professional career because, you know, this is where it all all began for me. And um, that was just a starting point. And then, you know, just even trying to make it to that starting point was kind of a tricky situation. And, it, you know, it required a lot of patience and, mental uh, strength. So, you know, that's what the book is really about, just having patience and, you know, seeing the bigger picture at the end of the tunnel and just having mental mental strength. I love it. Now, did you ever take this book and, and read it to your kids before you wrote it? In other words, were these stories that you would uh, kind of tell as bedtime stories to the kids just because, you know, you, you told them have some fun and, and, and entertain them? Or was this something that you had just come up with and decided when I'm going to write this? All right, I'm going to write a children's book. No one's ever really heard this before, but, you know, I want to I make this a reality. Well, I mean, like I said in the past, like even from my childhood and high school and things like that, it was always something on my bucket list. And, you know, this won't be my, my this is my first book, but it won't be my only book. It was always something on my bucket list. Um, you know, every other night, I, you know, I probably read tons of bedtime stories to my children. But, you know, they've heard the story over the years just, in, just at random times. But, you know, I kind of like to surprise my kids and just show them that, you know, I can get things done and just surprise them and just show them how, how motivated I am and just try to 
just get them a good example. So it was kind of like a surprise almost. And then once once I got my proof copies, that was really when I was just like, I wanted to show them and surprise them. And just like, you know, look, look what your dad did. And, um, you know, we were out here making moves. And I just wanted to make them proud. I can imagine they must have been so excited when they had a chance to see the first copy. And then you probably got even more excited when you had a chance to read it to them for the first time. Yeah, man, it was just a surreal feeling. Um, like I said, just being able to set that, that, that great example for your children, man, it's just, it just pays dividends, man. It's, it's an amazing feeling, bro. Like, it just keeps me motivated. It just wants me to keep going. Ross, what about for you? You mentioned that uh, you wrote your first book a few years before, and now you've teamed up with uh, Valentino on this. When you had the opportunity to to see this for the first time and and get a chance to uh, to to help put this into uh, the children's book form, did you just have a good feeling that this is going to be something that would be really really popular? Oh, definitely from the from just from the concept in itself, because at the first glance you could kind of assume it's just all about football, but it's like it's applicable to every aspect of life. I feel like if a lot of people kind of when they hit their first obstacle, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in a business, at a job, they're ready to shut it down and just hang it up. But what Antoine did, he talked about his perseverance because a lot of people probably would say, oh, well, I'll just go play basketball or baseball. But Antoine rode the storm and um, waited, you know, even shed tears behind the mission. And he saw it out, and then look at look, you know look at us now, you know like look at him now. It's just like he became an NFL player through you know his perseverance. So that could be applicable to any child, and that's really the exciting part about it. And just sports, period. As uh, as Antoine knows, and I'm sure you probably know, the biggest things about sports isn't you know actually the points or touchdowns we score. It's the lessons we learn and the connections we build. So I just knew it would be powerful from the jump. No doubt. We've got Antoine Valentino Blake and Ross Williams uh, on uh, with us right now. We're talking about the new book, uh, Little Zilla's Big Weight, which, by the way, it's available on Amazon. It's doing extremely well. In fact, it, it charted number one on Amazon. It's currently ranking number four in children's football books uh, and number 10 in football books on Amazon. So congratulations to the two of you on this terrific debut. And uh, Antoine, I'm wondering now, are you thinking about just uh, continuing the Little Zilla theme and, and just writing more stories with Little Zilla? Is that is that kind of what, uh, what at least at this point, you're you're looking into? Oh, man, I'm glad you asked that. Well, I'm definitely <laughs> going to make a, a series about that. Like, I was talking with Ross probably 4 o'clock in the morning the other night, man. Just reflecting on just you know the, the the journey it took to get here, but I actually finished the, the the rough rough draft of my second installment of the Little Zilla series uh, probably Sunday night. So yeah, it's definitely gonna be a, a series. I'm not sure how many books, but um, that's gonna be one thing. And then of course I'm gonna do other other just types of books, and I'm also uh, working on a cookbook as well. So you know, nice. I'm gonna put my hands in a little bit of different everything. All right. Now, first off, you, now you've given me so many things to ask you about. Let me start off with this. Will will there will there be a book? Now, I, I know, I know. I want to I want I want to get to the cookbook in a second, but will there be a book about little Zilla going to UTEP? Uh, man, it, it might be down the line, bro. Kind of like the Rugrats growing up. Well, you know, the, the little show when they grew up. It, it might it might be. That'll be something. That'll be something dope to write about as well. Because I have some. 
I had some great experiences, man. I met some great people and, you know, people that I'm friends with, you know, probably for life now. That's phenomenal. Well, you played for the Miners from 2008 to 2011. Just out of curiosity, were you were you highly recruited out of high school? Man, no, nah, really. Uh, shoot, if I can remember correctly, I think I was probably about a two-star uh, prospect at the moment. You know, that's back when, you know, the, the camp circus and everything was getting really big. So, but, you know, I couldn't, coming from my background, I couldn't really just, well, it's, it's kind of a funny story, but I couldn't really just afford all the camps, man. But, um, you know, I was working at Applebee's my junior, uh, senior year of high school. And um, a friend of mine, I thought all the camps was always invite only, but a friend of mine was like, nah, man, you know, he, you can pay such and such amount of money to get to go to the camp, man, come to this camp with us. So I, had, I took my, I worked that Friday, the camp was on Saturday. I took my tips from the night before and paid with the, uh, Paid at the camp, man. I think it was like all ones, like 25 ones or something like that. And um, went to the camp, did well, ran well, and things like that. And um, I think it was probably like the following day they called my coach and told him, told him they wanted to offer me, man. It was just, it was an exciting feeling. And my coach was just like, man, it's a great opportunity for you. Just, um, you know, you should, you should really consider it. And so I talked it over with my mother and just my grandfather and things like that, man. And, um, I committed, and I was committed to them the whole year, bro. Like, no matter what what happened throughout the season, I was I was ready, and I was ready to come to El Paso. That's an amazing story. So you're telling me, just I want to sure I get this right, okay? Because I just yeah, listened yeah. to everything you told. Sounds me. crazy. Well, you're telling me this <laughs> that you're telling me that you took the tips you made from working at Applebee's to pay for the camp, which ultimately got the attention of Mike Price and staff, in which a day later you received an offer from UTEP. That's that's phenomenal. That's a book That's a book within itself. It is. Yeah, You're right man, about that. That's, that's exactly how it happened, man. I, I think somebody asked me, like, man, what you been doing? You got all these ones. And I, just, I just laughed it off because I was – I mean, it was a fun experience, but I was focused, man. I was out there to compete, so – but yeah, it was it was crazy how that how that all unfolded. Well, let's put it this way, okay? You go undrafted in 2012, and then you get a chance to to play pro pretty much for the rest of the decade, which is terrific. You had some great years with the Steelers, but you played for other teams as well. So the point is, I guess for you, uh, it's always been about overcoming adversity, even after college. That's that's kind of the story of uh, of of your career, right, man? I mean. You know, I like a lot of people. They they use the underdog tag as just you know a chip on their shoulder, but you know that never was my 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 chip. You know, my chip was just my upbringing and just um the way I was raised. But it doesn't matter what obstacles I had to face in life, I was gonna find a way to overcome them. So just my my transition, my route to get to the NFL, it, was, it wasn't an issue for me, man. Like I would have felt the same about it whether I was undrafted or a first round player. That was just in my makeup. I was gonna attack every situation. And, Ross, for you, you've uh, had a similar story in the sense that, uh, look, you were working at a rental car agency where you had a chance to meet Antoine, develop a friendship. Now you've got your own business called Williams Commerce. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. It was founded to empower authors, job seekers, and uh, entrepreneurs. So aside from publishing books and writing books, uh, write resumes and uh, do business plans. So basically leveraging my professional gifts and uh, resources to empower as many people as I can. And then also kind of like with the book process, when I had started writing my first book, 
it's like, well, first, like all of us, have, like so many people have books, and I feel like it's a underutilized resource in society. So I was trying to create my first book, and I couldn't find anybody relatable to help me with the process. And I was just like, forget it. I'll do every step, the marketing, the the ad design, the publishing, um, basically, and then I tried, wind up trying to do the book cover, but that was like the worst book cover. We probably wouldn't be sitting here today if I would have released the first book with the book cover I made by myself. But I basically learned like 95% of the process, and then I had a success, uh, first book hit number one on Amazon, and then the second one, uh, Crabs in the Barrel, that hit number one also, so... At that point, I was like, man, I want to be that person. I want to be that resource to help other people recreate their process, whether it's in the literary realm, whether it's finding a job, or whether it's uh, growing a business. Very nice. That's terrific. It sounds like you two are the perfect team for each other. And, and Ross, you tell me, how, do you th- how far do you think uh, Antoine can really take uh, Little Zilla in terms of these uh, a series of children's books? Oh, it's to the top. To the top, even just the mindset, like just to show you how we how compatible like we are business wise. It's like I released. I think one of the biggest I guess distinctions about my literary career was that I was able to release uh, two best best selling novels within eight months. So to do that, um, I started on the second book the night after. So when Antoine's book hit number one this past weekend, that later that night, like he said, at four o'clock in the morning. It's like he already pumped out a manuscript, a rough draft for book number two. Wow. So, you know, if you have two executors together and just two people that's transparent, trusting with each other, I mean, the sky is the limit. I think we're living in a time in society where everybody's kind of like think it's a badge of honor to be do everything by yourself. And um, But really, when you work together with like-minded people, that's how the most power, powerful uh, occurrences and business and creations occur. This uh, tweet, uh, series of tweets, came in from Ivan. Now, let me, uh, let me read this to you, um, Antoine. You're going to enjoy this. Here we go. True story <laughs> is how he starts this off, okay? True story. True story. <laughs> um, I used to play basketball at Memorial Gym, and Antoine would walk in, and the first thing he would do is take off his shirt and show off all of his tats, and this dude was smaller in height but was jacked up. So that was him, uh, you know, that was his move, to size up people. And then he would go out and try to dunk on people, even though he was like 5'10". Ask him if he still balls up and does that uh, um, to poor, unathletic uh, peeps at Open Gym like he did at Memorial in El Paso years ago. He was super athletic and uh, and a published oh, writer at that. So there you go. Are you still going to open gyms, taking your shirt off, <laughs> sizing people up, and trying to dunk on them like you did at UTEP? Man, that's that's funny because first of all, I want to start by saying I wasn't the only one in there. It, it, you know, it was, it was people from every you know form of athletic UTEP athletics that used to go in you know the open gym. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was fun times, bro. You know, probably. Well, I got to school when I was 17, but around 17, 18, you know, you, you're starting to get in the weight room. Your body's starting to develop. You got all this testosterone pumping through your body. It was just, I was excited to show that physique off, man. I started getting tattoos, and like you said, man, I was trying to go out there and dunk on people even though I was smaller in stature. But uh, to answer your question, nowadays, I really don't I really don't go to pick up gyms too much, too often. Uh, I try to work out a little bit, but uh, most of the time, man, I just... 
I just like to do my other little grinds and my other little hobbies and focus on, you know, different businesses and things like that. So I don't want to say um, physical fitness is an afterthought, but it's not my main focus at the moment. I understand. All right. Well, look, you got a lot on your you have a lot on your plate, including Little Zilla's big weight. A, this debuted three days ago on Amazon, folks. It's doing terrific, by the way. So, check it out. You can go to Amazon and and search Little Zilla's big weight. You can also go to our website six hundred ESPN Adrian's got the story. He links right to the Amazon site to order it and pick up a copy. And hey, who knows? Maybe uh, once uh, we get through this uh, pandemic, we can get you back to El Paso. Paso and have you uh, sign books at Barnes and Noble for a bunch of people, which would be great. Oh man, that would be dope, man. Because I haven't, I haven't been to El Paso in a while. You know, that would be an amazing experience, man. I kind of miss it a lot. Well, trust me, we missed having you out here, but we've enjoyed having you and Ross on the program, guys. Terrific job! Congratulations to the two of you, and we appreciate you both uh, being so great and giving us time on the program today. Uh, no problem. Indeed, we got to schedule a part two. <laughs> Trust me, as soon as part two is out, we'll we'll make sure to get the word out for everybody just like we helped do with part one. Excellent. Excellent. All right, gentlemen. Take care and uh, again be safe. Thanks for the time. Oh, hold on, hold on right quick. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Before we get off, man, I wanna give it, I don't know if he's listening or not, man, but uh you know, the football players we used to have summer jobs in the summer and uh I used to work at this apartment complex, man, Mr. Uh, Munoz. I wanna give a shout out to him, man. He used to try to teach me Spanish and everything, but uh yeah, I just always want to give a shout-out to Mr. Munoz, man. I hope he's, he's doing well. I'm hoping he is, too. Hopefully he's still working at the same apartment complex, and hopefully he's listening <laughs> to the show right now. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, that would be dope. Oh. He might be retired by now. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, Antoine Ross, again, terrific stuff. Thank you guys for being on the program today. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy the conversation. Little Zilla's Big Way. Check it out. Get yourself a copy on Amazon. Right now, Charlie One's going to lead off our five o'clock, our 6 o'clock hour. He's got this traffic update.